Good morning, everybody. And again, a happy Father's Day to you. If you're here visiting with us, perhaps even because of Father's Day, being together as a family, we're so happy that you're here. And my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. And today uh, is a special day because we're finishing up this series that we've called I Am. The name I Am, and it is a name, is what God said to Moses when he asked, what shall I go back and tell the Israelites your name is? And he says, well, just tell them I am, which makes it all the more powerful that when Jesus uses this divine name and applies it to himself. But then onto this divine name, he also adds a few other descriptors. And we've been going through John's gospel, looking at each one of these descriptors. And today, we're going to take a look at the last one. Jesus said this. He said, I am the vine. And you are the branches. And of course, the metaphor is like a grape. This would have been uh, very prevalent in their minds at the time. Uh, grapes growing all throughout the Middle East. And that the idea that the branch connects to the vine. Here's the challenge. Is often when we hear this phrase, if you've been around for the church for a while, we don't concentrate on this part. We tend to focus a bit more on the branch part. And how do I remain in Christ. But this morning, I want to make sure that we focus on what Jesus meant by saying, I am the vine. So we're going to take a little bit of a roundabout way of doing this. We're going to take another passage that I think illustrates beautifully what Jesus meant when he said this. And then it ties so well into Father's Day. If you'd like, you can turn with me over to Acts chapter 1. We're going to start over here in Chapter 1 at verse 8, and it's probably a familiar scripture to many of you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples after his resurrection, and he says to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. All right, that's, that's where we're going to pause. So after the resurrection, 40 days later, Jesus had instructed his disciples, don't leave. Stay here. Stay in, in the city, because he knew this day was coming. They are gathered together, and right before their eyes, Jesus is taken up into the sky and they no longer see him in the clouds. And the disciples are there, and they are dumbstruck, of course. What did we just see? Now, it's not too very different from those of us who call ourselves disciples, that, I mean, followers of Jesus today. We don't know what to make of the ascension. In fact, we don't even talk much about it today. But what's really interesting about the ascension is that in the early church, you'll find the ascension as one of the essential confessions of our faith. You'll find it in the Apostles' Creed, in the Nicene Creed that were written by the early church. You couldn't be a Christian unless you said, I believe in the ascension. And for those of us who come from a Reformed camp, okay, Calvin wrote a good chunk of his institutes about the ascension. And so the point is, this is not just a cursory event to get Jesus from earth up to heaven. 
There's something really important going on here. Something that ties into this whole idea of what it means to connect to God. And I think a beautiful illustration of who God is as a father. All right, one of the things that I love about being a dad, I have two beautiful little children. I've got an eight-year-old boy. I've got a six-year-old girl. And one of the greatest joys in my life is simply grabbing these kids, shoving their little cheeks against my own, and whispering to them, Daddy loves you. I mean, it's absolutely a real blessing and a joy. Um, My own father did not have that same blessing. His father developed uh, a need to go and have surgery, and when he was three years old, the surgery was successful but he died of the infection. And at the time, they certainly didn't have the same means to keep people from getting infections in the hospital. So my father never had a model, never had a father who pressed his cheek up against him as he grew up. And I think that really shaped who my father was. My dad wasn't always a touchy-feely guy, and so the times where he did express that affection to me really stand out. And one of those memories that I have was my dad taking me up in his arms and not just giving me a piggyback ride, but putting me on his shoulders. Just holding me on his shoulders and walking. I felt so connected to my dad, so important and so loved. Every one of us is designed to have that relationship with a father. We all want our fathers and their love for us. But the sad thing is that too often we don't have that deep and intimate connection. And we long for it because you were designed to have an intimate, ongoing relationship with your heavenly father. And our father's relationships are supposed to, as we've already noted in the service, to emulate and help prepare us for that. But the problem is, it doesn't matter who your earthly father is. Every earthly father falls short. And then those images hang on the walls of our mind. And we can't look beyond them. And they color the way that we think about our heavenly father. And sometimes they keep us from really seeing who God is. If you had a father who was emotionally a little bit removed, you might say, well, that's who my heavenly father must be like. Maybe not even consciously. It's just what happens. And so it's all the more important that when we come to the Bible and we see a picture of our heavenly father, we must grab onto that, frame it, and hang that picture in our minds. That's the picture that we have to hold on to so that we can see who God truly is. And the ascension is one of those pictures. This is one of the pictures. When you see this, when you see Jesus ascended, what I want you to remember is a picture of the Father. And you're going, okay, Tomney, I'm with you, but where? At least I think that's what you're saying. Okay, so... uh, Acts 1, verse 9, here's where it is. It's this tiny little beautiful phrase out of Acts 1, verse 9, which says this. 
he was lifted up. Now, it's this word right here. It's the lifted. It is the same word that you use when you lift up that child and hold the child in your arms. It doesn't say that Jesus flew to the Father like Superman of his own accord by his power. No. Now, I don't, I, the son probably could have done this. He's the resurrected son. But that's not what it says. It says the Father lifted him up and brought him into his embrace like a father would after your son had been on an arduous and challenging journey and welcome home. My son, I have missed you dearly. I love you. That's what the father does in the ascension. And if you've been following along, I said, well, this is a beautiful picture, not just of who God is. I mean, this is, is a beautiful picture of the Trinity, the Father loving the Son with the power of the Holy Spirit. But it also is a picture of us together. And here's why. All right, now, today we're going to wade into a little bit of deeper water. You willing to go with me in some deeper water? Okay, say, yes, Mark, I'm willing to go, okay? Let's go, and believe me, the water's fine. It's much warmer than the water that's out there, okay? Here it is. When Jesus came to earth, okay, he had the Son of God took on our human flesh. This is the doctrine we call the incarnation. If you know any sort of uh, Latin-related language, okay, carne, literally, what's it mean? Meat, okay? So Jesus literally becomes in meat, human. But it's more than just human flesh. What the Bible says is Jesus took on our humanity. Uh, Paul says that he becomes the second Adam. You see, just as we were all caught up in Adam, now he becomes the second Adam. And so that means in the humanity of Christ is all who came before all who come after, the humanity is caught up in the incarnation. So for those of you who are visual, it, okay, it's like Jesus took on our humanity and wore it. But not just like a jacket, okay? It, he was human all the way through. And so you and I, somehow, our humanity is caught up in Christ. Now what this means it's Jesus not only died for us on the cross, we must celebrate this, but Jesus lived for us. Every step that Jesus took, he was undoing all of what humanity had done. He was walking back the whole of it. He lived for you as well as died for you. Then, Jesus is resurrected and he still retains our humanity. But here, here's the, here's the crazy thing, right? Here's why I wanted to get here. Well, before we get here, this, this, this painting is, is too beautiful. Of course, after his resurrection, Jesus says to Thomas, touch my side. I'm not a ghost. Jesus retained our humanity. And then he comes to the ascension. Did he shed our humanity on the way to the Father? No. Somehow Jesus 
ascends to the Father retaining our humanity. The Son somehow goes to the Father different than before. What's changed? What's changed is that you and I and our humanity has been caught up in the arms of the Father. It is exactly as if Jesus were to say on our behalf, Father, I love you, and returns the embrace. Here, the best picture of this in the scriptures is Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 6. It says this. God, being rich in his mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And here, now catch this. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now let me explain. This does not say you're going to be raised up with him one day. This doesn't say that you will be seated with him sometime in the future. This somehow says you're there right now. Look to your neighbor and say, somehow you are seated in the heavenly realms, but you are still right here. How is this? Paul was one of the most brilliant people who ever lived. He knew exactly what he was saying. What he meant was, somehow, because you are in Christ, somehow, through the Holy Spirit, you are connected to the body of Christ and grafted in like a vine is to, or the branch is to a vine. You're in him. And though Jesus is now in the arms of the Father, seated on high. Somehow through the Holy Spirit, we as his body are connected to him and we are in Christ. You with me? Okay, the water's deep, okay, but it's really good, all right? Paul says this phrase, you've read it so many times, it's in his letters 93 times. Maybe you've never realized it. But this is deep, deep stuff. This is not just saying some metaphorical idea. He is being literal. He is saying you literally are in Christ. This is who you are. Let me talk to dads. Dads, when you are telling your kids this is who you are, kids, you're in Christ. This is your identity. When you go off to school, don't forget, you're in Christ. You're true self. You are seated in the heavenly realms. When you are depressed and you think all of life has fallen apart around you, you are in Christ. Never forget. When somebody absolutely does something terrible to you at work, do not forget. You are seated in the heavenly realms in Christ. That's who you are. Our teenagers especially, they need to hear this in a world that is telling them that it's about body image and everything else. You are precious, a child of God in Christ. With this idea, that means that as the father bent down to pick up the son, he bent down and picked up you and me. And now, the love of the Father expressed for the Son is the same love that he has for you and me. And somehow, we are together in his arms. And one day, we will experience this even more fully than we do now.
Therefore, in the ascension, Jesus Christ has fully reversed the fall. Okay, then when I say the fall, I'm deferring to this idea that we turned our backs on God. We walked away from God. And we were meant to have this face-to-face fellowship, relationship with the Father for all of eternity. And in the ascension, God says, no. That is not the way it was supposed to be. My son, come here. This is the way it's supposed to be. Come here and let me whisper into your ear that you are deeply loved with an everlasting love and underneath you are my everlasting arms. That's the way it was always meant to be. This is the way that eternity future is going to be. Therefore, participate in this reality. Let your mind be washed clean of anything but this and then say yes to the yes that Jesus has said for you. You see, some of you might say, well, wait a minute. What did I do to deserve this? What? what, what? Nothing. You did nothing. See, because it happened long before any of us were born. It's already accomplished. Jesus said it's finished on the cross. You weren't forgiven because you received God. You asked for it. God forgave you a long time ago. You see? It's not just conditional on what you do. It's already done. Therefore, we have this unmerited favor called grace. It's a free gift. Nothing you can do to earn it and nothing you can do to lose God's love for you. He will always love you. Maybe the best illustration I can give to you of this is my own adoption. I am adopted and I have two wonderful parents who have now gone to be with the Lord. And in the case file, I don't have that much information about my own personal background, but in the case file, it says, when they brought me home, my parents, that is, there was love all around. And that day, I became a Tumney. There's nothing I did to earn that name. In fact, there are days that I think, that's an unusual name, but it's my name. It's who I am. It just, from that day forward, My parents said, you're one of us. I'm given a new name. I'm brought into a family out of their unmerited favor. Uh, Just to say, boom, you are one of us. They gave me a new identity. And I I learned that this is who I am over time. And I still am proud to say that this is who I am. It's my family. It wasn't my biological background. This is who my parents are brought me in, and this is my family. This is what God does. Earlier today, we baptized five little children. It was beautiful, okay? Now why? Why would we ever do this? Because that baby's not understanding anything about what this means. The reason why the church has done this all the way through its history, by the way, and particularly as Reformed people, we hold on to this, and I love my friends that disagree with me. Okay, this is not a salvation issue. Okay, but let me tell you, this is why our camp emphasizes what we do. It's before this baby ever finds out and says anything about, yes, God, I want you, God has said yes to you. Long before you ever, and and by the way, you didn't earn this. You might think somewhere along your own salvation journey that you discovered God. God had been knocking on your door long before that, right? And so this little baby 
to be able to know you are a child of God. You, will, you are love with an everlasting love. And we will raise you. And we will let you know that you are always loved. And this is your family. This will be your eternal family. And even if that child one day says, no, thank you, I'm going to turn my back on this, it's still not going to change our love and it's not going to change the love of God for you. You are a loved child of God. Now, this child and any one of us we have to return the embrace of God to receive the fullness of his salvation. But we have to emphasize first and foremost, God has said yes to you. He loved you no matter what. He will always love you no matter what because that is the image of the ascension. You are my precious child. You will always be my precious child. Please know that you are loved. Now we can finally go back to the beginning. Let's go back to this idea of Jesus' I am statement. Now we can better understand all of what he meant. And I'm going to read this translation out of the message because I think Eugene Peterson does such a beautiful job of translating John 15. He says this. Jesus says, live in me. Now, hearing what you just heard, hear this. Live in me in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way the branch cannot bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And when you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Okay, so, are you hearing the beauty of this now if we emphasize not just I'm a branch. Jesus is the vine. He is the very one that brought the life-giving Holy Spirit now that makes it possible for us to connect to the love of the Father. He is the one to whom we must be in and when we abide in Christ, the Holy Spirit, through the vine, comes into our lives and you will begin to bear fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, who among us in here doesn't need more of that? Okay? One of the challenges that when we hear these verses, our natural inclination is to think about what must I do to remain, remain in the vine. And, and actually, it's not a bad question. It's a really good question. All good relationships require some effort, right? Including our relationship with God. But before you ever go there, before you think it's about what I'm going to do and I need to do to remain connected to the vine, remember the vine is the one who is connected to you. He is the one who brought you in. Our humanity connected to him and now is lifted up in the arms of the Father. In fact, the most important effort you can ever put into your relationship with God is to allow yourself to be continually reminded of the Father's love for you. Do you hear that? The most important effort you can ever put into your relationship with God 
is just to be reminded, to allow God to remind you of his love. We need this. On this Father's Day, you need to know your Father loves you. All right, let's put all this together. The Father has wrapped his loving arms around you. That's the picture of the ascension. That's the picture that Jesus says, remain in me. I am now in the Father. I am one with the Father, and now you are in me. Remain in me by the Holy Spirit. Respond to that love. And so this morning, the way to remain in him and connect with him is just to allow the Holy Spirit to draw you into that love, to melt in the arms of the Father and to enjoy his presence and participate in that love. Now, maybe you've never done that. Today can be the first day of saying yes back to your Father, I love you too. Or maybe you embraced God a long time ago, but you kind of been doing things your own way and you, you've been distant from your father. Your father has never stopped, let, he's not let go of you. He's never said, well, because you're not really acting the way I want, <laughs> step away. No, his arms are still around you, but will you embrace him back? That's what he wants. And let me say, men, let me give you a practical takeaway this morning. Do you know we have some really tremendously good groups of men who meet together and encourage one another? Uh, sometimes they're, they're meeting with their wives in small groups. Sometimes there are other men who are meeting one another. And you know what we all need, men? You need other men who challenge you and encourage you to say, you are loved with an everlasting love, and underneath you are the Father's arms. You need that repeatedly. We need to be in community to hear that. And so if you're thinking, well, what's a way I can respond to this love of the Father? Get yourself into a place where you will continually be reminded of this by other men and, and other women. But that's a great way if you're not in a small group. In the ascension, we have a Father who shows us you are loved with an everlasting love. I pray that this Father's Day, that you would experience the love of the Father anew in ways maybe you never have. Let's pray to that end. Father, thank you for the privilege it is to call you Father that somehow we have been adopted into the family of the king through Jesus Christ. Jesus, you truly are the vine. Help us to remain faithful and to return an embrace of love. Thank you that when we least deserved it, when we were even in rebellion, you came running and, and, and brought us into faithfulness by your own faithfulness. Now help us to say yes to you. Help us to live as faithful participants in your love. Father, I pray for the person here this morning that maybe has never said that yes to you. I pray that they would recognize that, that tug on the heartstrings that they're feeling right now, 
is not just their emotions. That's you. I pray that you would help them to say yes to you today. I pray for the others who are here who maybe we just need a renewal of our relationship with you, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit anew and help us to make steps of faithfulness that will always represent our love and a, and, a, and a returned embrace to you. So now, Lord, we say thank you. We thank you for your love on this Father's Day. We say thank you through Jesus, by your Holy Spirit. Amen.